Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. This is Pastor Josh Sorensen. So good to be with you today on Calvary Live. And yes, we are live today. It is Friday, August 25th. We have had encores all week long, which means that the shows uh, that you've been listening to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday have been previous shows. And that'll happen occasionally, as, as those of you that are regular listeners know. Uh, partly because of scheduling issues. And yet today we are here in the Grace FM studios live, taking your calls and really look forward to hearing from you. So let me go ahead and give out the number again. We'll start the show with the numbers. So those of you that like to give us a call with a Bible question uh, or a prayer request can do do that. Uh, again, live here in the studio. So the number is 303 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Three thousand, and uh, again, we would love to be able to interact with you. The show is for you, of course, uh, but the show is also not the same without you. So, if you have any kind of Bible questions, questions on Christian living, things you're personally kind of trying to work out uh, right now in your own faith, something that came up in your personal quiet times or devotional life, something you heard at church, something perhaps you heard here on the radio, uh, and you would like to talk about it or have a question on that, uh, that's what the show is here for. Again, we really want to emphasize with with Calvary Live the the pastoral heart behind it. So. The way that myself and uh, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Ed, as we've talked through this, the heartbeat behind it really is just as if you were sitting down with a pastor having a conversation. Of course, it's a little bit different on radio because as you're asking a question, we're processing it, not just in terms of your question, but also how we can respond to all of the other people that are listening right now as well. So typically, if you and I were to sit down in my office, we wouldn't have thousands of other people listening into our conversation. That's a little different with radio, but the heartbeat again is just to uh, to to be able to speak with a pastor. That's the heartbeat of the show. And over all the years that Calvary Live has been in existence, there's been so many amazing pastors that have been through the studio here, uh, guys that have been in ministry for many many years. Lots of wisdom, uh, heart for people. We've had pastors both on staff here at Calvary Church uh, in Aurora, Colorado, that have been a part of this show. We've had pastors from local churches around. Uh, Even still to this day, you'll notice that we'll have special guest pastors that will um, get thrown in the mix with us in the schedule, people that are are typically local here to Colorado. Uh, But again, just such a privilege to be able to interact with you on this show. So the number is 303-690-3000. Give us a call. We're here in the studios live right now on this Friday, August 25th, and looking forward to engaging with you guys. Our text line is also open, and you may be aware that we have a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week text line available. And uh, that is primarily used for prayer requests. So even this week, uh, people have been texting the text line and we've been getting emailed the the prayer requests that are coming in. Uh, But you can, during the show, between 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, so while we're here uh, in the studios for this hour, you can text in your questions as well. 
And if the, the, the show is a bit slow or if we're not getting as many calls in, then we'll head over to the text and we'll see what you guys are asking there. If it tends to be a busier show, then, of course, we'll we'll do the live calls first and then respond if we can to the text messages. Um, but if you send in a prayer request, uh, 100% of the prayer requests that come in get read, get prayed over, and then get passed on to other people, a couple of different prayer ministries that will be lifting up what it is that you have on your heart as well. So if you'd prefer to text that in, you can do that at 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. That's the text line. But if you want to give us a call and have a conversation here on the air or share a prayer request, uh, again, that number is 303-690-3000. One of the things I love is just being able to pray with so many of you guys because I I know how much power there is in prayer. I know what a privilege prayer is. uh, And I know that it's not just you and I praying together, although listeners will only hear my voice and your voice, of course, but of all the places that this show reaches and, uh, and all the radio waves and, and the 26 different states that this uh, show is currently being broadcasted in on 88 different stations, you have all of those listeners that are tuning in. Many of them are driving in the car. Many of them are in their homes listening. Some people listen uh, through the app. They're at the gym. Some people are out mowing the lawn. So wherever you guys are listening from right now, uh, you will be guaranteed that you'll have a an army of people that will also be agree, uh, agreeing with our prayer. And I think there's there's something powerful about that. It's a very unique way to pray, to know that there's so many others listening in that will come around your prayer requests as well and pray for you. So I think that's a great privilege. That's one of the things I really get excited about in particular about the show is just the prayer part of this and what a privilege it is. So again, if you've got a prayer request and you want to give us a call, 303-690-3000 is the number, 303-690-3000. And I see a couple of you guys already on the on the lines here. So we've got Gabe, our wonderful producers and the other students. Studio, so he'll be answering your calls, taking your calls, uh, kind of passing on to me some of what it is that you guys either want to pray about or, or talk through or think through when it comes to the Word of God, and we'll go from there. But before we do, I just want to very briefly shout out all of you that are listening to Calvary Live on the 88 stations in 26 different states nationwide at this very moment. So again, we are here every Monday through Friday from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, particularly for those of you that are new. Again, my name is Josh Sorensen, one of the assistant pastors here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. I'm typically your Friday host for the Calvary Live show. Uh, And I am, uh, again, with you live today, Friday, August 25th, uh, here in the studios at Grace FM. Grace FM has two stations, 101.7. Just want to say hello to all of you down there in Colorado Springs, in Pueblo, in Fountain. And then there's 89.7 here in northern Colorado. So I live here. This is where I listen to Grace FM uh, in the suburbs of Denver, here in Aurora, all the way up through the Front Range. We also want to welcome all of you listening live on the Radio by Grace Network, which is 77 stations throughout the states. And again, so glad you guys are part of the Calvary Live family. So if you're listening on Radio by Grace, we would love to hear from you with a question or a prayer request. And 
all of you that are listening on Hope FM or Truth FM or Higher Rock Radio out there on the East Coast, we want to say hello. Of course, as you guys know, you are a week delayed. So you are listening to me uh, a week later than the actual live broadcast, but the numbers are the same nonetheless. You can call in, you can ask, ask your question, you can share your prayer request. Of course, we'll be alive here on the air in Colorado and as well as some of the other stations, but you, uh, you can get your, your questions answered, your, your prayer requests lifted up before the Lord, and then you can hear yourself if you desire to do that. I'm not a big person that wants to hear my voice later on, but if you want to do that, you'll be broadcasted a week later. Again, Grace FM, I'm sorry, uh, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock, uh, up in the Idaho area, the Philadelphia, New Jersey, Maryland, just so thankful for you guys. That's uh, close to my heart because that's where I spent the, most of my days were in Philadelphia. My, my family's out there. Uh, so such a privilege to know that you guys are listening out there. And then, of course, we want to welcome all of you listening live on the Grace FM app. Uh, and you can get that app at gracefm.com. Many, many people tune in through the app. Uh, and that's available uh, on your phone, your Apple TV, your Roku, your Android, whatever it is that you, uh, whatever streaming platforms you use, you can you can pick up the Grace FM app for free. So again, such a privilege to be with you guys today. Let me give out the number one more time. And if for some reason you don't get through, it's because the lines are full. But once we uh, cl- we finish with a, a, a caller here, uh, you can snatch that next line and get in. Our producer will answer your call and, and we'll go from there. So again, the number 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. With that being said, we're going to go to our first caller today. Isaac is calling from Greeley, Colorado. Good afternoon, Isaac. How you doing? Uh, not bad. Hey, how are you today? Not bad. I'm pretty good, actually. Good, good, good to have you here. So, Greeley, so you're you're not too far from our good friend uh, Je- uh, Jeff Figs. Pastor Jeff, yeah, I go to that church. Do you? Oh, Jeff. man, great church. Love him. Uh, we're going to try to get him out here to a men's event uh, in Aurora, but just love Pastor Jeff oh, so much. Yep, he's a great teacher. Amen. So you have a question, it looks like. Well, yeah, um, I have a question. Um, I was recently talking to a cousin of mine about— um, about some books that were left out of the Bible, and I know some there were some books that were left out of the Bible for a reason. Um, but I'm not sure that as a believers we should be reading that. Um, you know, yeah. And I know he is a believer too. I'm not sure, you know. But I just want if there's something that I can, you know, maybe speak with him when next time I see him. I'm not sure when I'll be seeing him again. Yeah. He lives in Denver, so, but, okay. I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm a know-it-all about stuff, because I don't, you know what I mean? No, not at all. And, and, and you know, one of the ways we, we learn things is by asking questions. And, and I'll have a lot of times people ask me questions, and I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Let me, let me go back and look, do some research and look that up and talk to a couple people, and I'll get back to you with an answer. But So what you're doing now, Isaac, is perfect, just, just calling and, and trying to get some feedback on how to best minister to him. Is he, by the way, is he, do you know if, does he come from a Catholic background? I'm just not sure. What's that? Uh, does he come from a Catholic background? He does, yes. Yeah, okay. So a lot of the I'm, books. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut, keep cutting you off. But no, that's okay. I, he, he does He does have a Catholic background, but, you know, he's, he, he does believe in God, but I'm not sure if he's like born again believer or what, but I know he believes in God and all that. But, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a it's a really good question. 
Uh, it's a question we actually get here a lot on the show. I think a lot of us have Catholic friends that uh, in their Bibles, they've got extra books for, for uh, those that are listening that we don't have in uh, in, in our pr- Protestant Bible, for lack of a better word, um, we've got 66 books in our Bible. The Roman Catholic Bibles have several more in the Old Testament than the, than the Protestant Bibles do. And those books are referred to as Apocrypha, as the Apocrypha. Some people refer to them as a, a deuterocanonical books. Um, and so books like uh, Judith, and there's a book called The Wisdom of Solomon and Baruch. There's a, the letter of Jeremiah, which is different than the book of Jeremiah that we have. There is First and Second Maccabees. There's a book there called The Prayer of Manasseh, uh, as well as some additions to the book of Esther and Daniel. So um, not all of those are included in every Catholic Bible, but those would be considered extra biblical books that we don't have. And so the question is, why do we have them in our Protestant uh, books. And really, one of the reasons is that these these books were written primarily, again, between the time of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The nation of Israel, they treated these books with respect as they read them, but they never accepted them as the true books of the Hebrew Bible, like the the books that we have today, the 39 Old Testament books. That Those were books that went through a series of very particular tests to determine were they, in fact, um, books that came from God as he inspired man to write them down. It wasn't as if man chose which books should or shouldn't be in the Bible. That was happening uh, on the ground. In particular, in the early church, these books were being collected. They were being used powerfully in the early church. Um, people's lives were being changed. God was radically speaking and moving just as he does today when we read God's word. Then, of course, as you head into the New Testament, uh, you, you begin to have the gospels that, that come forth and the letters of, of Paul and the historical book of Acts, which is really just a continuation of the book of Luke. Uh, and so you've got these books and and they began to get circulated and copied amongst the early church. But we believe, as Peter says, that God chose to speak through men to write down exactly what it was that he wanted to communicate to us. Um, and, and so there are certain books that as you look at them, they have some historical points and they've got some uh, uh, facts that, that help us to kind of understand a bit of what was happening in the day and the culture, some of these apocryphal books. Um, and so some people will read them for some of the, the, the history uh, and even a bit of the understanding of, of some of the customs and manners of the day, those kind of things. But they, but they don't see them as inspired, as God-breathed, uh, because they were not included, even in history, as some of the original books that, uh, that eventually began to uh, be collected. And then the word that has been used is canonized. And, and that's simply just... Uh, saying these are the books that have stood apart from all the other books. These are the books that are without contradiction. Some of the other books that weren't included into the canon had things in them that, um, that, that began to be distinct from what uh, the, the canonical books said. Uh, And so uh, all of that to say that in history, these books weren't collected by men. That's what some people think. Was it just a couple guys that sat in a room and they took these books and decided which ones would be in and which ones wouldn't be? No. As a matter of fact, there was a 
couple of councils that happened over a period of hundreds of years that would get together and they would just affirm. That's all they would do. They would affirm the books that were already in circulation, that were already being proven to have power in them as God spoke through them and ministered to them in the early church. And then it would become very clear the books that weren't uh, in that same category. And so the books that weren't in some of those uh, categories would be what the Pro- what we would call the Protestant, uh, I'm sorry, the apocryphal books. And that's why they're not included in the Protestant Bible. So there's a lot more to be said about that. There's a lot more in terms of how we got the books and what were some of the, the, the tests that were being used to determine which one should and shouldn't be part of the canon. But I just think it's important for any time we have a conversation to say men didn't choose which books were supposed to be in the Bible. God chose those books. They were already being used, and men just agreed with what God was already doing as he was moving through his word. Uh, And again, we didn't have books, and there was no printing press in, in the first uh, you know, over a thousand plus years of the church. So these these were um, on, written on parchment papers and they were meticulously copied down from scribes and they would be then passed on to another church and a, and a church would have that and God was using it powerfully. And eventually then, of course, all 66 books became recognized as God's word as part of what's called the canon. Uh, and the canon has been closed, meaning that there's no other books or no other revelation being written that's being added to God's word. Scripture's even very clear about that. And so uh, when we talk about some of these uh, extra biblical books that the Catholic Church has in, in their Bibles, those books are fine to read. Uh, they're fine to look into for historical perspective, but they're not on the same par as what we would call the inspired, inerrant, perfect, without error, um, God-breathed Bible that we hold in our hands today. They're not part of that. So some people choose not to read them all together, um, and anyone that does read them, that uh, it would be part of, for example, uh, our church here, um, we would encourage our church here to say, well, look, if you do read it, just understand it's not inspired. You'll get some good history from it. You'll, you'll get a better perspective of the nation of Israel from some of the things that are being presented, but it's not something that that is considered God's holy word the way that the other books that we have before us are. So I hope that helps a little bit, Isaac. That, that did help a lot, sir. Thank you very much. Great. All right. Well, hey, if you see Pastor Jeff, Jeff, tell him. Pastor Josh says hello, and hopefully we'll see him again soon. But so good to talk to you today, Isaac. It's good to talk to you, too. Thank you so much. You, All right. You explained it a lot. All right. Awesome. You're welcome. God bless you today. Thank you much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Great question. A lot of you guys have asked that question, and uh, so uh, it is worth thinking through for sure, uh, knowing and having confidence that the Bible that we hold is, in fact, God's word means everything. Because when we trust God's word, we can trust what it says. And when we trust what it says, it communicates to us uh, who God is, what his plan is for our life, the promised plan of redemption. It's beautiful. Uh, So uh, 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go here to Mike in Maryland. Hello, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm good. How you doing now? Doing great. Thanks so much for calling. Good good to hear from you. Oh, great. This is a wonderful day, man. It's nice and cool and all that heat. Oh, I'm so glad. For us a little bit. Yeah, here here in Colorado it's been rainy and a little little bit miserable if you don't like rain. I like rain, so I'm I'm doing good, but it beats the hot days we've been having for sure, so I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I was reading in uh the book of Romans and I came across 9.27, I believe the chapter was, 
Isaiah and nine twenty seven. Uh, and I wanted to know who the remnant was when I did. I cried out. Yes. That would be saved. Yes. Absolutely. So it, uh, let me pull that up here and read it. It's it's Romans 9, uh, and I'll read verses 27 through 29 in this particular section uh, here in Romans 9 that Mike is asking about. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 10, um, and, and, and God is, through Isaiah, is declaring God's right to choose a remnant among Israel for salvation. So it says here, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel— Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, but the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And then he goes on to say, as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth or the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. So it speaks there when it was quoting from Isaiah 10 um, to God's work in saving, it, it, when Isaiah was writing it first, to, uh, in saving a remnant, it says there, from the coming Assyrian destruction. So Isaiah prophesying in, in his immediate context, uh, the suffering of God's people at the hands of the Assyrians um, would make them feel that they would certainly be destroyed altogether. So in Isaiah 10, God is assuring them through the prophet Isaiah, that's not going to be the case. He will always preserve his remnant. Uh, He'll always preserve a people in the midst of of that. He's not going to wipe out Israel is the point. Now, as as Paul in the book of Romans is writing, he, he moves from this beautiful theology in Romans 1 through 8 about the gospel, about how our sins are forgiven, about the work of redemption that's been done. Uh, and then he moves in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 into a little bit of a different sort of a ch- of a section in Romans. You could almost break Romans into three sections, Romans 1 through 8, Romans 9 through 11, and then Romans 12 through 16. And so in 9 through 11, he talks about his sovereignty with the nation of Israel, because a lot of people were asking, is God done with Israel? And if God is done with Israel, does that mean then that the church— has replaced Israel as God's chosen people. Uh, So does that mean Israel has no more plan? They're kind of done. uh, And now the church um, supersedes Israel and lays hold of all the promises. And so Paul makes the point that there, there is still a remnant, just like there was in Isaiah 10, um, there's still a remnant. There's still a the the Jewish people still have a purpose. <laughs> they are not done when it comes to the plan of God and the timetable of God. Uh, as a matter of fact, they play an integral part in the last days. And so the remnant that he speaks of there, he's speaking of there 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 is a remnant of Israel that will be kept until the day that uh, that God releases upon the earth the the end times scenario where he pours out wrath on the earth. But in that scenario, he is going to take a remnant from Israel. There there will be uh, 144,000 Jewish, 12,000 from all of the 12 tribes, evangelists, like a bunch of Jewish Billy Grahams running around. They will be preaching the gospel. Um, The the nation of Israel, not as a whole, but, but, but the remnant of them, 
will return. They'll come back to Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, And then many promises that were meant for Israel that have not yet been fulfilled. There were some unconditional land promises. There were some unconditional Messiah promises. Uh, There were some unconditional national promises that have have yet to be fulfilled. Um, And so the church hasn't somehow spiritually taken over those promises. Those are promises still yet for Israel. And again, Israel seemed to be off the scene for the last, uh, you know, 1,400 years until, of course, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. And, and so Paul is saying that in God's sovereignty, he's not done with Israel. Yes, the church has been grafted into God's greater plan, but there are, there's still a plan for Israel. There's still a purpose for um, national Israel because uh, God has made promises to them that, that will be fulfilled and are still yet to be fulfilled. So right now, as it were, um, the Bible says that uh, in Romans, particularly, Paul talks about the fact that the Jewish people uh, have their eyes blinded to to the reality that Jesus is their Messiah. Um, but that doesn't mean that the whole nation is written off altogether. There will be a remnant that will come to know who Jesus is as their Messiah, put their faith and trust in him, and they're going to be used uh, as part of his final preparation before his return in the last days. So I hope that that helps communicate a little bit of what's go- what Paul's saying. See and hear with the word of God what's going on right now, and the Jewish people are actually put on hold until he releases that, that, that's right. Yeah, so we, we really are still in a, in the, the age of grace, it's called, uh, the dispensation of grace, but it's literally a pause. You're exactly right, on hold. Uh, but we're beginning to see God, when he, when he reestablished uh, Israel as a nation, he brought them back to the land. That was one of the promises that he made. So now they're back in the land. Uh, and we're beginning to see that, that, that because Israel is, in fact, a people, a nation, um, they, they always have been, but they were scattered. Now they're back. Um, that out of that, there will be a remnant. And that's, that's what he's speaking of in, in Romans 9, 10, and 11 there. It's a beautiful passage to study. I, I really appreciate uh, Paul including some of that theology of Israel in, in the midst of the Book of Romans. I'm starting to feel something going on about that. And it's just kind of strange how I can feel that, but I can't explain that. Yeah. So I, when I'm getting into the Book of Romans, Paul really unloads on us. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I love doing with passages like this is find a good pastor that you know teaches through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, um, and and uh, p- pull out his, his his section on Romans 9 through 11 and, and listen to him work his way through that, because that's a really helpful way of being able to determine— God's plan for Israel, and most pastors, as they're working their way through Romans nine through eleven, will will pull in other passages, including, of course, uh, Isaiah ten here. But they'll they'll speak to God's plan for Israel and how there's still more that's yet to be done, which is an encouragement to uh, those of us that support the nation of Israel, love the nation of Israel, and, and it's an encouragement that God is true to His promises. He's a promise keeper. I see. When I picked up on the remnant, I remember what Paul was talking about, and not all Jewish people will be saved. Right. And they kind of put two and two together there, making sense. Why, why is it, you know, a specific number? Only half will be saved, and half will not. That's right. You know, he even he even uses the example there in, uh, in Romans, the, the next verse, Romans 9, 28, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, they were completely destroyed in judgment, um, but... Uh, it was the mercy of God that there was a small remnant that survived that um, to carry on. 
Uh, and even in the midst of judgment, God showed his mercy there to Judah. And so he's going to do the same thing with Israel, um, in, in the, particularly in the days to come that I believe we're moving closer and closer to. We're not there yet, but we're, we're certainly could be there at any moment. Uh, Jesus could come back. So, um, yeah, so that's a great question. If, uh, if a remnant will survive, um, then the, the hope of restoration uh, is is still in play, and that's kind of the point. If if there's a remnant, then there's still a hope that God can restore the nation and restore His promises to them. Uh, can I just one quick question? And pretty quick answer. Sure. If Jesus would have said, "Do not marvel about to be born again," I think it was about this. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, if He said that to him, when would we feel reborn? Would that would be yeah, I, I think what Jesus is speaking about there when he speaks to Nicod- Nicodemus in particular in chapter 3, there's a few places uh, in, in John chapter 3, there's a few places where he, that, that phrase is used. Um, but I believe he's talking about a spiritual rebirth. So let me get to your question. We're going to take a break here. I'll follow up with that and then we'll get to the rest of the calls, those of you that are waiting. Thanks so much for tuning in to Calvary Live. We'll be back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right, welcome back to Calvary Live. My name is Josh Sorensen. So good to be with you today. We are live here in the studio. It is Friday, August 20. Fifth, uh, is that right? Twenty fifth today, and uh, so good to be with you guys. Uh, so so good to talk about God's word. I love it. Uh, this is just so fun, so exciting, uh, and I love the questions you guys are asking. I love being able to pray with you. Uh, there's just nothing more exciting to me personally than being able to talk through these things and pray through these things. And so uh, we we I think we dropped our call with Mike from Maryland, but he had a question on uh, the remnant uh, of Israel in Romans chapter nine. Then he asked the question about being born again. Uh, And of course, the key passage there is John chapter 3, when it speaks of being born again. Uh, Nicodemus and Jesus are having a conversation, uh, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus asks, how can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh, he says, gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be uh, surprised at my saying, Jesus says, you must be born again. So the phrase born again can also be translated born from above. Nicodemus there has a need, uh, and he his need is that he, there is a... Uh, a, a spiritual transformation that has to happen in his heart, but that only comes from above. There, it's a new birth, Jesus calls it. Being born again is an act where God is giving eternal life, imparting eternal life to the person that believes. It's a spiritual rebirth. Of course, there's nothing physical about being born again in the sense that, uh, you know, we, we something happens physically to us. It's a spiritual uh, birth. And so the question then is, why does a person need to be born again? And of course, 
Paul says in Ephesians 2, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So Paul says we were spiritually born dead. Again, uh, in Romans, he says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So sinners are spiritually dead people. But when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we put our faith and trust in him as our savior and and we receive the good news of what he accomplished on the cross for us, uh, we then receive spiritual life through Jesus. And the Bible then likens it to a rebirth. So only those who are born again have their sins forgiven and have a relationship with God. Now, of course, there will be a physical resurrection that will happen at, at, at some point in time. The Bible says any of us that pass from the earth today are to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So our soul goes to heaven and our body gets buried. And then there will be a moment when Jesus will blow the trumpet and our bodies will resurrect uh, and we will be reunited with our souls and we will be made new. That is not the born again experience um, that, that Jesus is talking about there. That's, that's called the resurrection, the physical resurrection. Um, so, so that is uh, that is when our physical bodies will be made uh, perfect, so that there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more cancer, no more divorce. I mean, just sin will be gone and eradicated from our body. But the only reason that physical resurrection will happen is because we have first spiritually been born again. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for calling from Maryland. Hope uh, that helps answer the couple questions that you had there. We're going to go here to uh, Kimberly calling from Baltimore, Maryland. Good afternoon, Kimberly. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much. How can I help you? Um, yes, I, um, I've downloaded, you know, your app and, uh, let me see what it's called, um, CC Philly. And so I believe it's the in-depth teaching and, uh, anyway, I went to Luke and I can't remember if it's the first one, Luke, uh, but it's with Joe F-O-C-H-T. Joe Foch. Yeah. And, great pastor. Yes. And I, I can't remember if it's Luke 11-125 or the second one or the third one, which would be 126 through 157 or Luke 156 through 180. But anyway, so it was one of those three. And what I learned in that was um, Elizabeth was Protestant, and I never put together, like, I just thought John was called the Baptist because he baptized, but actually it was also in conjunction that he was a Baptist. And I didn't realize that we had those types of sects at that time. I thought those broke off later on hundreds of years ago. So I'm just calling uh, to clarify. Yeah, great question. Well, you're right. You're right. Um, there, there were no denominations at that time. The Baptist denomination didn't exist at that time. Um, the the pro- Protestant uh, uh, form, if you will call it that, of Christianity didn't exist. As a matter of fact, uh, there really weren't different denominations until about a, a hundred years into the early church. They began to sort of disperse uh, based off of theology. And uh, even Paul says that there were some already that were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. So some of that was happening even as we read in Scripture. But John the Baptist himself was only that 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 was not his denomination. That was a title that he was given because he uh, was famously known for baptizing the nation 
nation of Israel in preparation for Jesus to come. It was a baptism of repentance that they would turn back uh, to God as a nation in preparation for the Messiah to come onto the scene. Uh, and then, of course, Luke, he, wa- he wasn't a Protestant. He, wa- he was a non-Jewish uh, doctor, and he wrote, of course, the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the book of, of Acts as well. Um, and so he was a, a Gentile. Uh, so he wasn't a Jewish person like many of the disciples were. So he was writing from a different perspective, uh, of course, to be able to minister the gospel in, in, a, in a different way uh, to a different audience than Matthew, for example. Matthew was a Jewish man and wrote to a Jewish audience. Luke is writing uh, the same gospel message, the same story, the same life of Jesus, but he's writing from a different perspective as a doctor, and he was not a, a Jewish man himself. So you get a different perspective there. Um, and then it wasn't until later that that uh, people started identifying as Baptists. There's, you can you can study the history of different denominations. Protestantism actually came from Martin Luther, who protested against the Catholic Church and against some of their doctrine, uh, and so that that became known as Protestantism. So a lot of times, people as they speak, they will look back and they'll they'll look at baptism uh, according you know John's baptism. It's been called, and then of course there's the believers' baptism, uh, and the Baptists will use that phrase to kind of help um, separate themselves in terms of what they believe baptism is, but that doesn't necessarily make John a Baptist or Luke a Protestant. Um, so I think your initial thought was right, um, that these these denominations didn't come, uh, they certainly weren't there at this time. This, this was a very unusual time for there to be even, Christianity was just coming into the scene there, so there weren't yet denominations, so they weren't identifying themselves in, the, in that way uh, as we read the Gospels. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe I just heard something wrong in that and in reading the or listening, sorry, to that thing. So I'll have to go back over. I for some reason I thought that he's called I'm sorry, Elizabeth the Protestant and yeah. then John the Baptist, which he thought, you know, was was so unheard of back day because of her being a Protestant and giving birth to quote unquote a Baptist and I was like, What? Yeah, Wait yeah. A minute. That wasn't supposed to be broken off no, until you're... years later trying to play games, and that's when everybody was trying to break off from the sect from the Catholic Church. Yeah, that's a really, really good observation. What I love is that you're you're listening, you're, you're leaning into God's Word, you're listening, you're paying attention, and then if something, whether you heard it wrong or something, you know, you're, you're, you're asking really, really good questions. And to me, that what you're demonstrating right now uh, is, is exactly how we should be uh, engaging with God's word. So the Bible says when Paul was preaching, there was a group of people called the Bereans, and they would hear what Paul says, they would receive it, but then they'd go back and they'd study the things for themselves to be sure that what Paul was saying was actually true. And uh, and, and Paul says that they were counted as more noble for that. So what you're doing is noble to, to be asking questions on these things. I will say, Pastor Joe Foch, he was my pastor, uh, and I still consider him my pastor because I used to live in Philadelphia for 25 years. And I just love that guy. And, uh, and I love that you've downloaded the CC Philly app and that you're working your way through Luke. I just think that's awesome. And he's one of my all-time favorite Bible expositors, uh, a hero of the faith for me, for sure. So I'm so glad to hear you bring him up. Yeah, he's a great teacher, a very good teacher. Funny, too, yes. but yeah, he's, he's a great teacher and, <laughs> yeah. and breaks it down very well for you to understand. So. Absolutely. And the whole app is great, so it's, it's, um, I'm grateful for it. So thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're God so welcome. You. Thank you, Kimberly. Thanks so much for calling. God bless you.
All right. Calvary Live is the show. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. We're going to go here again to Baltimore, Maryland. This is, I think, our third call from Maryland for today. So we want to shout out Maryland for listening to the show. But this is Felix on the line. Good afternoon, Felix. Uh, good afternoon, Pastor. Doing great. How are you today, my brother? I'm doing great. Good. How can I help you? My, my question. My question uh, borders on uh, the Garden of Eden. Okay. Somebody asked me a question concerning the Garden of Eden, but from the question, I went on research and discovered that the Garden of Eden is on the rivers mentioned in the Bible, somehow located around Iraq. Mm-hmm. So now Iraq is not a Christian nation, neither is it fully an Islamic nation. So I'm like... Why wasn't this question? A question came to my mind. Was the Garden of Eden a spiritual garden or physical garden? If it was a physical garden, where is it today? Yeah, really, because really. Because we, we, we were told there was a tree, for which reason uh, Adam and Eve were, act, uh, were uh, uh, taken out of the garden, mm-hmm. the tree of life, from which the Bible doesn't want them, uh, God doesn't want them to eat from. So where is that tree today? Yes, great, is great. It, Great question. If the tree is Jesus, could it be that that garden was spiritual? Okay, so I don't believe the garden was spiritual. I believe it was a physical garden. Um, there, there's there's uh, nothing that I believe Scripture uh, says in particular that would make us believe that it was a spiritual garden. Um, although you'll hear a lot of conversation today from people that will try to spiritualize the book of Genesis. There are uh, seminaries and theologians that are out there that are doing that for a variety of reasons. Um, but the, the the thing that we do know about the Garden of Eden is, as you mentioned, um, my brother, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, it speaks there of a, of a river flowing from Eden. It was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was Pishon. Uh, it, it, it winds through the entire land of Havilah. Uh, and then it, the second river is Gihon. It winds through the land of Cush. The third is the, uh, the river of Tigris. It runs alongside uh, Astur. And then the fourth river is the Euphrates. So the exact identities of the Pishon and Gihon river are unknown. So we really don't know exactly where those were. But the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, we do know. Uh, and as you mentioned, they're, they're, they're somewhere in the Middle East, likely in Iraq, is, is the area uh, that they would have been. But uh, even a small local flood over uh, you know, the thousands of years, not, not even to mention the flood of Noah's day, um, you know, could have changed the topography of the earth since then. Um, so to say the, where where the exact location of the Tigris and Euphrates was today is uncertain. Uh, it could be that the modern rivers, because we do have modern rivers called the Tigris and Euphrates, uh, that they're simply just named after the rivers associated with, with Eden. Uh, in the same way that Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, for example, is named after uh, Bethlehem, the town of Judea. So people have searched for the Garden of Eden for centuries now to, to no avail. Uh, there, there are various spots that, that are claimed as the original location. It's a fascinating study. Uh, but what happened to the Garden of Eden, the Bible doesn't specifically say, 
it's likely uh, that the garden could have been completely destroyed in the flood. Um, but in terms of the, the, the tree of life and, of course, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, the, those were light. You know, the tree of life, for example, is a life-giving tree. Uh, and it, it's a tree that Genesis 2.9 says, God made all kinds of trees, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life, Genesis 2.9, uh, and the tree of the knowledge of, the, of good and evil. So the tree of life that it speaks of there, um, we will see again, it stands in the middle of uh, our, the new heavens and the new earth in the holy city. Revelation 22 verse 2 speaks there of the tree of life. So that, that tree is still in existence. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, as it speaks of in Genesis chapter 2 there, um, there, there was nothing essentially evil about the tree itself. Uh, it's unlikely that the fruit that was in that tree gave Adam and Eve any further knowledge, um, but it was an act of disobedience um, that was the, the, the issue. That, that sin of disobeying is what opened Adam and Eve's eyes to evil for the first time. And they knew what evil was and they knew what feeling shame was and they wanted to hide from God. So, um, so that, those are the two different trees that it speaks of. I don't know what happened to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't have any kind of uh, information on that. There's speculation. There are Bible scholars that, that write on these kind of things out there. Um, we do know that the tree of, of life, uh, for sure, is going to be in the new heavens and the new earth, particularly Revelation 22, the new Jerusalem. Um, but but I don't know. So the, the, all of that answer uh, to say I don't know exactly, and most people don't know where exactly the uh, the Garden of Eden uh, was located, and if, and if it's still around. Again, it could have been taken out by the flood, very likely as well. So there's a lot of conjecture, a lot of thoughts, a lot of uh, study behind this, but not a lot of certainty in terms of answering your question. Thank you so very much. All right, Felix. Thank you for calling. God bless you. Appreciate your call and appreciate hearing from all of you guys listening in Baltimore, Maryland. Such a, a joy to hear from you. So thank you guys for calling. Uh, again, our number, 303-690-3000. We've got a couple prayer requests coming in here, so let's get to those. We're going to go to Angel here in Tennessee. Good afternoon, Angel. How can we help you today? Sure. I have a friend of mine. Her name is uh, Renee. And she's got a daughter who has cancer. Just found out that she has cancer. Okay. She was beside herself and felt really bad. And I to like pray for her. Yeah. And I think that this venue that you have here would help me to, you know, have other people pray for, just, you know, pray for her as well. That's right. And and I, I see here in the notes that uh, Renee's daughter's uh, name is Chrissy. Chrissy, yeah. Chrissy. Okay. okay. Great. Well, those of you listening, uh, let's pray together that wherever you are, if you're in your car, but let's lift up uh, Angel calling on behalf of his friend Renee and Renee's daughter, Chrissy, uh, was recently diagnosed with cancer. I, I will say, Angel, as we pray, we're trusting God is a good God, and we're trusting that God uh, has all of this 
as part of a good plan for Chrissy's life, even though cancer itself is not good. Um, but God is able to take the things that are not good and bring good out of the situation, just like he's able to bring beauty from ashes, his word says. But I will say God is also a God that heals. And we've got a brother here in the church that was recently diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and they, they they took a couple of little spots uh, and tested them, and it was cancerous. Uh, and then just a couple days ago, he came in to the church here with this incredible news that the very same area that they said was cancerous, they now see no cancer there at all. And he says the only difference between the the cancer diagnosis and now saying there's no cancer to be found, the only difference in between point A and point B was prayer because God is a healing God. We do believe that. So as we pray for Chrissy, let's pray that God would do the miraculous as well. He, he invites us to come and to pray these things. So, Lord Jesus, we just I just want to thank you, Lord, for Angel. Thank you that he is uh, calling to receive prayer. But really, Lord, we're, we're going to battle in prayer on behalf of Chrissy, Lord. And uh, to receive a cancer diagnosis, Lord, is jarring, to say the least. Uh, it, it throws everything into upheaval. Uh, Lord, it's, it, it, it begins to feel like your world is spinning out of control. Uh, as believers, Lord, of course, you come into the picture then and you give a peace that passes all understanding and you begin to lay hold of us and our faith is quickly deepened in moments like that. And so for Chrissy, I just pray, Lord, that you would deeply, truly minister to her spirit right now, Lord, that you would allow her to know that there is a God that is powerful, that loves her, that knows her, um, that with a word can speak the cancer away, Lord, that the cells in her body, the cancer cells would be gone. Uh, and we're asking in the name of Jesus that you would do that, Lord, that you would, your healing touch would be upon this young lady's life and that she too, like our brother, would receive a diagnosis that would blow the doctor's minds uh, that there is no more cancer. And that it wouldn't even make scientific or medical sense. And we would be able to say, oh, we know why. <laughs> because our God is good and he's powerful and he's a healing God. Um, and so we pray that, Lord. And we, we intercede on behalf of Chrissy and, and for Renee, Chrissy's mom. We just pray that you'd encourage her, strengthen her, Lord. For Angel, as a friend of the family, strengthen him. Strengthen those that are around to just continue to lean in with prayer. Believing, God, that you're able to touch, that you're able to heal. Uh, and Lord, of course, we, we pray that there would be a deeper work in the midst of all of this that you would do, as you always do, in the middle of any suffering or trial or difficulty or storm that comes into our life. There's a deeper work behind the scenes that you're doing in our character, in our hearts, whether it's deepening our faith, whether it's allowing us to pray desperate prayers that perhaps we wouldn't pray if it weren't for the difficulty in our life. Again, Lord, it's in the difficulty that you give us then a peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Your word says that it's a, a, a peace that the world can't give. But you say, Jesus, you give that peace. As a matter of fact, you say, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, Lord. So we're asking for that kind of peace over Chrissy and Renee right now. And again, thank you for Angel. Bless him for calling today, Lord, and, and interceding on behalf of his dear friends. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right. You're welcome, Angel. Thank you for calling. And uh, keep us updated, too. If there's any progress, we'd love to hear how we can con continue to pray. Sure. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. Bye. All right. We're going to go also to Todd now in Aurora, Colorado, here uh, with a prayer request, it looks like, as well. Good afternoon, Todd. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, Pastor Josh. 
my wife and I, Lisa, and the, our entire family um, had a our nephew um, had a really serious accident at work where um, Will got his both of his hands completely caught in a grinder. Oh no! Yeah, and um, he's been in the hospital for the past week and a half. I think he's going on his fifth or sixth. Um, surgery, and um, we're just asking for prayer, for healing, and uh, for his spiritual health and uh, for his uh, spiritual mind also, you know, that letting him know that Jesus is there with him during this service. And his mom and dad is um, Suzette and and Danny. Suzette and Danny. And, And how old is William? William will be turning 21 this year. Okay. And it sounds like, based off of what you're saying, it sounds like William is a believer? Um, no. He's he not. Is, he is not. Okay. So I want the Holy Spirit to come into his life. Yeah. Okay, sure. absolutely. So, Lord, you've overheard Todd's request. Uh, and again, all that are listening in right now that are agreeing with Todd as he brings forth uh, this this request into your presence, Lord. We're, 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 again, we're just so thankful that you uh, tell us we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. And we can ask not only for ourselves for help in time of need, but we can pray that now on behalf of, of uh, Todd and Lisa uh, and William, Lord. And William, having just gone through this incredible physical difficulty, um, uh, and, and and it's Suzette, it looks like as well, Suzette and, and Danny, uh, as as William's parents, Lord. We, we just want to pray that first and foremost, Lord, that you would save William. Lord, that you would, as a result of this tragedy and this trauma uh, that has taken place to his physical frame, uh, that this would be a moment in time um, that he would understand the brevity of life, how, how quickly life can change. Uh, a week and a half ago, he was working, uh, and, and in the past week and a half, he's undergone uh, five to six different surgeries, still in the hospital, how quickly life can change. Um, and that that would, Lord, stir in him a desire to want to think about eternity. If, if life can change so quickly, uh, how, you, you say in your word that life itself uh, is quick, Lord. It's like a vapor. It's here and it's gone, James says. And, and I pray that in, in moments like this, and particularly with William uh, and uh, the, the situation that he's in, Lord, that you would be speaking to his heart, that you'd be speaking to him through other believers at the hospital that would step in and minister to him, uh, through our own prayers, Lord, you could speak to him through dreams, but that the gospel, the good news of Jesus would be communicated to him, particularly in this very vulnerable, weak, uh, physical place that he is right now. But it's in these moments, a lot of times, Lord, that we do cry out uh, and we do look for the answers. What is the meaning behind all of this? And I pray that he would come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, uh, that you would draw him close to yourself through this, that you'd save his soul. 
And we also pray for a physical healing. We pray for wisdom for the doctors as they're trying to navigate and work on how to um, how to preserve what they can, Lord, of his, of, of his hands and just this uh, horrible accident that has happened in his life. Uh, I want to pray for Suzette and Danny for comfort over them, Lord Jesus, as they uh, are are watching their son uh, go through so much. And I can only imagine as a father what that must be like to, to see that. Lord, I at one point had my, my young six-year-old boy in the hospital for a couple of months and just remember the uh, all the, the, the work that you did in my own heart during that time. And, and I just uh, look back and see the goodness of God even in the midst of a very difficult situation that was not a good situation, but God was good. So we pray that Suzette and Danny would truly feel that. And just that you'd use Todd and Lisa to encourage uh, and to speak life, Lord, into um, this family that needs it. And perhaps they will be instrumental in uh, being able to communicate the gospel, but at least to love them and to pray for them and to and to be a part of their lives. Uh, and then we will pray for an open door for the gospel, whether it's through Todd and Lisa, whether it's through another believer. Um, and Lord, you're able to communicate again your own gospel message and reveal yourself uh, in, in a variety of ways. <laughs> so you can do that, Lord. But so often you use us, you use the church, you use believers to do that. So uh, so we just lift up this, this young man, Matt, uh, 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 William, to you, Lord Jesus, and just pray again that you would be, uh, uh, your hand would be on his life in this particular season, both your hand of healing and your hand of salvation, Lord, that you draw him to yourself. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Josh, and thank you for uh, this uh, church body on this radio for the prayer. Um, and remember, faith over fear and the power of prayer. Amen. 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 Great word. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate you calling in. All right. Thank All right. you. God, God bless you. Faith over fear. Amen to that. And the power of prayer. I love that. Great, great way to end the show as we come up on the last 90 seconds here. Um, somebody did text in a question about eternal security. Uh, once saved, always saved. Is that biblical? Absolutely. Let me just read a couple verses to you as we're coming down on the wire here. Jude 24 says, To him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, uh, God is able to keep the believer from falling. It's not up to uh, us. <laughs> it's up to him to present us before his glorious presence. So our eternal security, uh, once saved, always saved idea is a result of God keeping us, not us maintaining our own salvation. There's many other verses as well uh, that we could talk to. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time, but I love that question. I love the scripture passages. Many, many different scriptures tell us uh, that we're eternally kept in the palm of his hand that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So just a great way to end the show, to be reminded, he who began the good work in us, he is faithful to complete that good work. He gets all the honor and the glory and the praise. So with that being said, thank you for tuning into Calvary Live. I'll be with you next Friday, and we'll be back live again on Monday with Pastor Jeff Figs. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.